Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. Glad you made it out this morning in the rain. Uh, The title of today's message is called Let It Rain. Did not uh, change it mid-service, nothing like that. Uh, That's the title of today's message. Uh, My name is Clayton Small. I'm the youth pastor here at the Ark. It's always an honor to be with you. If I'm moving a little fast, don't forget, I work with junior high and high school. You got to keep up, you know. So uh, if you need me to slow down, just raise your hand or something. Deuteronomy chapter 11 has been on my heart lately, and I love it because it's timeless. I love it because it speaks in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and in 2022. And in Deuteronomy chapter 11, it says this. It says, if you will indeed obey my commandments that I command you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, he will give the rain. He'll give the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the later rain, that you may gather in your grain and your wine and your oil. I love that passage. Love God, honor him, serve him, and watch what he can do in your life. I didn't play many sports growing up, but I did play golf. Uh, Golf was one, you know, uh, my dad got me a a trainer or a personal coach to help me get better. And as a young growing boy who didn't have a lot of muscle, I found great pride in hitting it as hard as I could. And if you've played golf, you know that hitting it as hard as you can doesn't always yield the best results. And so over and over, I'd just smack it as hard as I could and it would go to the side. And one day, I'll never forget, the coach stood me there and he said, I I don't want you to move. Just, I'm going to do this for you. And he positioned every part of my body. He moved my feet and my legs and he adjusted my arms and he held his arms so I wouldn't swing back too far. And everything that he did, he aligned me to take the shot. And when he got me right in the position that he wanted me in, He said, I want you to swing it as light as you possibly can. And when I did, I hit the best golf ball I've ever hit, ever. Because it never came back, all right? I paid for that golf ball, or actually my dad at that age paid for that golf ball. But everything about it revolved around the position that I was in. This morning as we come in, I really believe the Lord has laid on my heart for us to talk about the position we're in. Because the position we're in determines the outcome. I love the passage of scripture because he says to love God and serve God. And when you do, it sets you up for the rain. Now, I want to be abundantly clear up top this morning. I am not saying this morning that A plus B equals C. That if you do this, then you get this. Don't wake up tomorrow and say, well, that young Clayton guy, he said... If I do this, then I'll get this. And it didn't happen, he said, but it didn't. That's not where we're going today. Because what we're talking about today is a position of your heart. That in time, over and over again, rehearsed over and over again, lived out over and over again, yields the reign of God in your life. I have a toddler, her name is Emmy. She's three years old. If you've ever taken your kids to like their great grandparents' house, you know that you should not do that. 
because that carpet is the widest thing you've ever seen in your entire life. You're like, I'm just going to carry you, you know, like this is not going to be a fun lunch. I'm just going to hold you the whole time. You're not touching anything. And so a couple of months ago, we were at our grandparents' house and we're going in and we're moving some 500 million pound antique furniture that you have no idea where you're going to put in your house. And we're moving it across when all of a sudden my three-year-old who's potty training says, daddy, I got to go potty. And I'm thinking now, right now. And that little song comes up. If you got to go potty, stop and go right away. I can't believe I just said that. (laughs) Pastor Allen comes back next week. You can ask him what you learned. Just say Jesus. We learned about Jesus. (laughs) I couldn't get it out of my head. And I'm thinking I got stuff to do. But in the moment, I just set it down and said, let's go. And I took her to the bathroom. I'm getting all ready to go. And and, uh, she keeps asking me, Dad, what's that button? And I said, I don't know, honey. Don't touch it. (laughs) Dad, what's that button? I don't know, honey. Don't touch it. Just trying to get her ready. Dad, what? I touched the button. (laughs) That button activated what we don't often know in America to be a bidet. (laughs) Standing about two feet from the toilet, I got a fire hydrant of water straight into my face. And for the life of me, I could not figure out how to shut my mouth. And for 10 seconds, I am getting drenched. It makes me want to brush my teeth right now just thinking about it. It was that bad. And when it's all said and done, my daughter said, Daddy, it rained in here. (laughs) Yes, honey, it did. We're talking about the rain this morning, but we're not talking about that kind of rain. We're not even talking about the rain that you drove to church in this morning. Good job, by the way. We're talking about the reign of God that is sweet. The reign of God that is his blessing and his favor. The reign of God over and over in scripture that's referred to as his grace that abounds towards you, his blessing. And as we talk about the reign of God in your life, I I believe that it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, where you've come from, what your life looks like today or what it looked like yesterday. I know that the goodness of my God stands true for all of eternity. Which means that when he says, when you love him, he will bring the rain in your life, he means it. So whatever you're feeling today, whatever's going on today, this is for you. Because God has some good things in store for you. In fact, the Bible even says this. The Bible says that God is actually looking for people who he can send the rain to. God is looking for people that he can strengthen and support. Check out this passage in 2 Chronicles. Here's what it says. It says, for the eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support. Another translation says, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal, those whose hearts are blameless and fully committed to him. I love that passage because it doesn't just imply that the Lord reigns, it implies that he's looking for people to show his strength and favor to. When Jesus steps on the scene, we read in the New Testament as people are trying to pin him against the wall, 
trying to trap him, they ask him a question. Jesus, of all the commandments and of all the over 500, 600 things listed in the Old Testament and all the rules, which one is the most important? It's like your kids asking you, which rule, dad, do I have to follow? And you're like, yeah, trying to trap you. And Jesus, of all things in that moment, stops and says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength. As I hear that phrase in that passage, I think, I live in Texas. Lots of people love God. I love God. But when I met with the challenge or the reality of loving him with all of my heart is the moment when I realize some of the greatest gifts and blessings from the Lord that I have yet to unlock and receive come when I step all in. My challenge for you this morning is, no matter where you're at in your faith process, no matter where you are, if you're new to this or you've been at this a long time, the truth still stands. When you are all in in your faith, it opens your heart, it positions your body, it positions your life to receive the goodness of God, no matter where you are. There's a great story of this in the Old Testament, two guys named Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb, the Bible says, had a different spirit about them. They got it. They were all in. They knew that God could step in to their life in a very powerful way. The challenge was the people of Israel had come out of Egypt. They'd wandered around in the wilderness and they're making their way to the promised land. They had been slaves for years. And now God was about to do something new in their life. The only problem was when they sent 12 spies up into the land, two of them, Joshua and Caleb, came back and said, the land looks as good as God promised. But there are some people in the land and they look big. And Joshua and Caleb, there is something different about their spirit. Remember, they're all in on their faith. And because they're all in, they could see things in ways that not everybody else could. And so when they saw the giants in the land, they said this. They said, we are sure able to overcome this because our God is with us. The 10 other spies, on the other hand, saw the giants in the land and said, we look but like grasshoppers. We're small and there is no way this is about to happen. And I read this story and as I read and we're going to read today, I'm encouraged by the fact that there is a way to be different no matter what everybody else around you is doing. An all-in heart that yields results that not everybody else gets because not everybody else was willing to go where you went. Here's what it says of Joshua and Caleb in their heart. It says in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, but my servant Caleb has a different spirit. He has followed me fully and I will bring him into the land in which he went and his descendants shall possess it. I love the line, there's a different spirit about him. There can be a different spirit about you. And the different spirit about you has nothing to do with what's going on around you. And in fact, it has nothing to do with what's in front of you. And everything to do with the full, wholehearted devotion to the Lord. When Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, he knew of Caleb. He knew of the kings of Israel who could lead with full-hearted devotion to the Lord. He knew the kings of Israel who over time did not lead with the full-hearted, wholehearted devotion to the Lord. And he knew what happened and took place. The people of Israel were not allowed to enter the promised land after that. 
The spies came back with a bad report. It sent everybody into a frenzy. Everybody freaked out and said, you know what? It'd be better to go back from where we came from than to go into the land that God has promised. And they turned and ran. And as we read the story, I want to remind you this morning that the thing that sets people apart in the kingdom of God is a wholehearted devotion. It's an all-in faith that says, I may not have all of this figured out. I may not have gotten it all right in the past, but I do know this, that I'm in. I don't know what it looks like. I may not know how to do it today, but I'm in. And the people who say I'm in, God has a funny way of doing incredible things with them. Numbers 14, verse one through nine. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry after hearing the report of the spies. And the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had just died in the land of Egypt or would that we had died in the wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones, they're gonna become prey. And would it not just be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader. They had a leader, Moses, and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron, they were grieved. They fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Mr. J, uh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy out, it is in fact great, exceedingly good. If the Lord delights in us, he's going to bring us into this land and he is going to give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and don't fear the people of the land for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone Moses and Aaron, but the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent to the meeting to all the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me? In spite of all the signs that I have seen and done among them. It's a powerful story. It's a powerful story. Joshua and Caleb take the promised land. Everybody else sits on the sidelines. Because of this encounter and lack of belief, and because of their inability to remember the things that God had done for them in the past, they perished in the wilderness. They were so close, they could smell the rain. But Joshua and Caleb were the only ones who got to step in and taste and see that the reins of God in their life were good and that God fulfilled his promise to take them out of Egypt by his miraculous hand into the promised land. This story teaches us, teaches me, As I read it and I'm encouraged by a few things, if I'm going to be all in in my faith, then I'm gonna have to let go of plan B. You see, the Israelites had plan B. If we just go back to Egypt, you know, things will all be great. If we just go back to where we came from, they had a plan B. When I first started and told people I was going into ministry, I was going to school for it, I moved from Kansas City to Dallas, and when I came, people would say, well, like, how are you gonna support your family if you become a pastor? And I'm like, oh, thanks, you know, yeah. It's an awkward conversation to have. And I remember over and over in the early days saying, well, I'm gonna minor in business. So, you know, if, if all else fails, I, I can go into business. 
And people would ask that question quite regularly. And often people would be like, you're a pastor, like you're going to go poor and hungry, you know, like, what are you going to do for your family? And I remember saying the same thing. Well, I minored in business. And so if it doesn't work for me, I'll have something else to do until one day, as I said that the Lord stopped me and the Lord was like, how long are you going to keep saying that? Because you don't even believe that. You see, I knew that the Lord was going to take care of me. I knew that the Lord had things, but in the back of my mind, I was holding on to plan B. The illustration or the picture that I have out of it is a little dramatic, but you know, humor me. I'm a junior high, high school pastor. So here we go. If your spouse was texting their ex that they dated 25 years ago, and you said, honey, why are you texting them? And they said, oh, you know, just in case this thing doesn't work out. Point proven. All right, let's move on. Next one. No, just kidding. Right? That's how it works with Jesus. You know what Jesus says? It says, say yes to me. And when you say yes to him, you say no to a lot of other things in life. When I said yes to my beautiful wife, who I knew was a catch way beyond my league, I in effect said no to everyone else. Now, there weren't a lot of other options. I get it. Like, I didn't have many choices, but the point is... I said no. When we say yes to Jesus, we say no to plan B. The Israelites wanted to trade in the progress they were making with God for the pain of their past. Lord, we'll just go back to Egypt. We'll just die in Egypt. We'll we'll go back to where we came from. And as I read that, I'm reminded of Exodus 3. We're not going to read it right now for the sake of time. But here's here's what happens. The people, the Hebrew people in Egypt prayed, God, deliver us. It said that they had slave masters, taskmasters who drove them almost to the end. They were oppressed. And God saved them. They cried night and day and night and day and night and day. God, save us. And he did. And the place they want to go back to is that. See, I can look at them and be thankful my life's not in the Bible. But I'm also reminded by them that when we forget what God has done for us, it positions us to go back. If you're going to be all in on your faith, you're going to go to the next level, take the next step. It requires you to remember what God has done for you in your life. I have an eight month old son. A few months ago, my wife was holding him. She's feeding him a bottle, giving him a passy, holding our baby and looks at me and says, honey, I want a baby. I'm like, what did pregnancy do to you? Like, Honey, you have a baby right there. And she looks at me and she goes, no, I want a baby baby. And I'm like, oh, clearly, I know what that, a baby baby. And in my mind, my dude mind, I'm thinking, do you not remember what it was like to sleep? Do you not remember all the appointments? And do you not remember the pregnant belly? And do you not remember the bills and the light? Like, why have you so quickly forgotten what it was like. Y'all help me because I'm going to end up on the reality show keeping up with the Duggars one day, like just like, (laughs) so pray for me. But have you noticed how we have a tendency sometimes to forget some things? And as I hear about the Israelites, I'm reminded 
that when we remember what God has done for us, it builds our faith so that we can believe for what he can do for us. When we remember what God has done, it positions us to believe what he can do. Check this out in Psalm 77. It says this. It says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. I love this passage. It's one of my favorites, and here's why. Because he chooses to remember what God has done. Can I tell you what happens when you remember what God has done in your life? It leads you to worship. When you remember what God has done, you can't help it. You're in your car and you just break out in song. You worship with your heart because you remember how good he was to you. And when you worship, can I tell you what happens? Actually, I don't have to tell you because you already know. You come in here and you worship and you're gathered together and you walk out there and you feel like you can tackle the world. Why? Because worship builds your faith. Reminds me of a song. I choose to remember that I once was lost, but now I'm found. And because I remember that I once was lost and what that was like and that now I'm found, it reminds me how good our God is and I begin to say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And because I'm worshiping amazing grace, Father, it builds my faith to remember through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. Grace has brought me safe this far and grace will lead me home. Grace will lead me home is a faith declaration that it doesn't matter the giants that are standing in the land in front of me because I remember what my God has already done. The people of Israel got in trouble because they forgot the goodness of the God in their life. The second thing we have to do in our life is this. We have to listen to the right voices. I texted uh, an old boss that I had and I started texting her. Uh, she had three uh, children that she had adopted from Africa about 18, 20 years ago, something like that. And I texted her because one morning I woke up and they were just on my heart. Sometimes God puts people on your heart and you should just pray for them. Maybe he's doing it for a reason. And as I texted her, I texted her this big old long pastoral text message, you know, like 25 pages. You got those friends that text way too much? Yeah. I've been reading Isaiah 40. God's gonna strengthen them. He's gonna build them up. He, they're gonna soar, they're gonna go places. And she texts me back and she says, that's nice, but who is this? You ever forgot to send somebody your new contact? And what I realized in that moment was the words didn't matter until she knew the who. Until she knew who it was, the words didn't carry the weight. The Israelites got in trouble because they assigned weight to words from the who's not the band, the who, from the who's that should have never been given the right to speak that much into their life. Listen to this. God says, you're going to a promised land. It's going to be good. Joshua and Caleb say, we saw it. It is good. We're going. And 10 spies, 10, and all the people of Israel come back and say, uh-uh, there ain't no way we're gonna make it out alive. We're not going there. And who do they listen to? They listen to the 10. Three different instances, and they listen to the one. I, if you're anything like me, I have a tendency to listen to some negative voices in my life from times. 
And sometimes when I'm doing that, I realize something about myself. Often I listen to the negative voices that affirm something that I already believe. I'm just not willing to admit it. What do I mean by that? If you came to me and said, at their message and said, hey, Clayton, you are the ugliest bald man I've ever seen. I'm not gonna believe you. Why? Because God has wired some weird thing inside of men that they can stand in front of the mirror every day and say, I look so good today. (laughs) And because I believe that, then I'm not gonna receive your words into my heart. My heart is not open to receive your words. See, what happens is we find ourselves in life believing some things like the Israelites. God, have you left us out here? God, is this how it's gonna be? God, we're gonna die out here. And at the jump of the first voice that affirms what they already believed in their heart, they crumbled. They lost their devotion and they backtracked. We have to pay attention to the voices that we receive into our heart. The negative words that come over you for the purpose of putting fear into your life and pushing you backwards should not carry any weight. God's voice, his final word, God's word inside of your life will build not fear, but faith. And when those words are spoken over your life and you give them the final word in your heart, then you will begin to see the reins of God come as you follow him with full hearted devotion. The final thing this morning is this. Moses and Aaron believed that if God delighted in them, that he would send them to the promised land. Moses and Aaron, they believed. Joshua and Caleb, they believed. And the Lord's final question to them was, how long are these people not going to believe? In other words, our all-in, fully committed devotion to the Lord starts with believing that God is ready to be good to us starts with believing that when we love God with all of our heart and when we serve him, that he is faithful to his word and we will see the rain if we just hang in there. It required them to believe that God was good to them, despite the giants that they saw standing in front of them. There's some people you've come here today and there are no doubt giants standing in your land, things that you know have to get out of the way for you to have the best life that God has called you to live. You're standing at a crossroads asking, what do I do? Where do I go? Everybody says this and they say that and I just need the direction and guidance of the Lord. Here it is. God wants to be good to you. No matter how many bad things are around you. My wife is living proof and testimony to that very truth of God. I'm grateful that my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, saved her as a child. I'm grateful that as a child, she received him into her heart and chose to believe in Jesus. And as we talk about her story and as we talk about her life, I'm encouraged because I know that if it had not been for that saving grace, that saving reign of the father in her life, she could be a million miles away from here. Her life would look nothing the same. You see, when most people look at my wife, what they see is they see a lot of joy. 
They see her doing ministry. They see her loving people. But what people don't know is that there's always a story behind the story. She went to camp as a eight, seven, eight-year-old girl. She went to camp, and when she got in the car to come home, she hopped in the car and went to a home she had never lived in before. And she went to that home because her parents had split up, and while she was away at camp, they moved houses. Her parents got a divorce, and the next couple of years were pretty rough, pretty rocky. They had times and seasons where they didn't have a lot of money, and uh, they remember having 10 cents in the bank account and a family from the church dropping groceries off on the front doorstep of their house and seeing the sweet reign of God in their life. And again, I'm looking at her life, seeing her now. I didn't know her then. And I think, man, God has been good to you. When she was nine years old, her dad had a girlfriend who was living with them. They got in constant arguments and constant fights. And I think people are well-intended, but just don't always know what to do. And in the middle of the fight and dispute, they brought his three little girls, my wife included, into the conversation. And he looked at my wife and he said, choose sides. And at nine years old, my wife, not knowing what to do, sided with his girlfriend. And at that moment in time, he looked at her and said, you will never see me again. And he left. And that night he took his life. And I look at my wife's life. I look at the way she loves the students here. I look at the way she loves our kids. I see the joy in her heart. I see the peace in her life. And I thank God for his reign that when you love him and serve him, he's faithful to you. That when you have those times where you're not sure how you're going to push through, you have something to recall and she can look back on the moment in time when God saved her life so when everything in life felt lost, she still had something to hold on to. I praise God that he brought people into her life that in her teenage years, she kept going to church. She kept doing whatever she could to get all in for whatever it meant in that season of her life. And because of that, she had the voice of a father who had the final word over her life. So that when thoughts would flood in that says, this is your fault, or if you would have done different, or if it didn't matter because the sweet reign of God came into her life. She had the final word of God over her. She is where she is today and we can rejoice because of the goodness of God towards her. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. It doesn't matter what things look like now. God wants to be good to you. If he did it for her, he can do it for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I believe there are some people in the room today and you need to know that when you remember what God has done, it's going to build your faith. You're weak right now, you feel weak right now, but remember what he has done, it will build your faith. Some of you are listening to other voices and you're not sure which way to go. Listen to his, because it's always good. Father, we come to you this morning, we are grateful for the rain. We're grateful for your blessing in our life. Thank you that as we love you and honor you and serve you, you're faithful to your word every time. Thank you for bringing us from where we were to where we are today. We ask for your blessing and reign on every person here today who needs an answer, who needs hope, who needs life 
and light poured into their light. We believe you can do it for them. If you came in here today and you're thinking, I don't have anything to remember. I've never said yes to Jesus. We're not gonna call you out or embarrass you in any way, but if that's you, you've never said yes to Jesus, I want to help you have a moment right now with God that you can look back upon and say, I remember. I was oppressed, but God helped me. I I needed help, but God helped me. I I was in a tough spot, but God delivered me out. You can look back at this moment and say, I remember the day I said yes to Jesus and it changed everything. If that's you, you've never said yes to him or you've been far from him and you know that today he's calling you home. Would you just slip up your hand? We wanna pray for you in this moment. Thank you, we see your hands. God sees your hearts. We're blessed that you're here today. We believe God has something good for you. Dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and that God raised you from the dead. So right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you and I am a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Lord, we thank you that you're good and we thank you that your reign is so sweet. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 10.30 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.